Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Other Job Podcast, a place where we explore all those tasks that are required for building high-performing teams, but we never seem to have enough time to do or to do well. We've started this podcast to share our learnings from being there and doing that for those who want to go there and do that, and to hear from voices in the industry uh, for them to share their experience. However, as we wrap up 2023, Chris and I thought it would be a, a fun time to actually take a little bit of a different flavor on uh, on uh, the podcast and the format that we've established. Chris, we're, we're looking back at 2023 and looking forward to 2024. What are your thoughts on 23? Uh, well, it's probably be, uh, the best way to put it is probably um, to just paraphrase uh, my brother Scott's LinkedIn post from this morning. Um, and by the way, his name's uh, Scott Albro, and uh, he's now a prolific LinkedIn content guy writing really great content. So I highly recommend a follow for him. Um, but he described 2023 as not a good year, not a bad year, but a very weird year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, yep. and listed his 23 reasons why it was so weird. Maybe there were 24. I don't know. But anyway, more than 20 reasons why 2023 was so bizarre. Um, and I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, but, but look, before we dive into the content for today, Jeff, um, yeah. I do want to, I just do want to recognize the new year. Happy new year to you and your family and your loved ones. Yeah. Same, same to you, Chris, uh, got the holiday card in the mail. It was great to see, uh, to see the family for sure. Yeah. I, I was wondering where the pole vaulting text came from. And then I was like, Oh, the Christmas card. Yeah, yeah. I was, I just thought as a parent, that's gotta be a wild thing to watch. Drew me, it is a very bizarre thing to watch. Um, and, and an even harder thing to do. So yeah, for um, sure. anyway, uh, well, you, do you have any big, um, big resolutions for the new year? I mean, the one that comes to mind right away is I need to find a way to use my phone less. Oh, come on. That's no, so, no, no. Hold that's, on. So, that's so cliche. No, but it's true. So for the last five years, I haven't had Slack on my phone. Hmm. Um, you should try it. It's great. Because um, people who need to get a hold of you know how to get a hold of you. And so you don't need to behold into the beeping machine that you work for. Um, and I found a way in the accessibility settings on an iPhone to turn your phone to grayscale. Uh, which is shown to give your brain less dopamine when you pick it up. So you pick it up less um, and you end up losing. Your I got a couple of young kids who are very observant about how much time I'm spending looking at my phone versus looking at them. Um, but in terms of big resolutions, like I, I don't do them. Uh, I think, I, I think they're dumb uh, because the calendar is such like a cop out catalyst to change your behavior. Like you could have done it two weeks ago and you didn't. And so we should probably talk about that. Rather Jeff, than like, hey, it's the it's a new month. Jeff, that that is like the most on brand Jeff Mills thing you could have said. And by the way, why I love you. Uh, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's only like I, I don't. I appreciate. Well, it. we get to decide. It's our podcast, so we're that's just right. going to decide right here, right now. It's a good thing. Okay, I'll take it. Chris, what about you? Uh, you just you had a transitionary year. You ended a long run at one company, starting a big job at a new company, and uh, where where are you? How are you thinking about the new year? Well, I, my resolutions don't really have anything to do with with job the job transition. My resolution uh, is pretty simple, um, and it's to quote unquote love that more often. Uh, I, I'm not sure I get it. Oh, you get it. You, you, Jeff, you know me well enough to probably pick up on a little bit of sarcasm in that statement. Yep. Um, look, I think in, in, so the serious side of that comment is, um, one, 
uh, I think learning I've had in, in my life and my leadership style. And, and part of it actually has come from a lot of the soul searching that you and I have done, um, in building kind of the concept for this podcast yeah. and where we wanted to focus around coaching leadership, hiring great teams, building great teams, running great teams. Um, look, I think if I'm honest with myself, I probably don't give out positive feedback enough. And um, there's probably a, a comment thread will probably blow up on this yeah, yeah, uh, with right. people chiming in and agreeing. Um, and I know who, who they are all are all going to be. Uh, yeah. And I welcome it. And I, I'm self-diagnosing and my, you know, I'm I'm pledging to balance that. But I'm also using what I think um, became a somewhat um, disappointing 2023 cliche uh, to, 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 to highlight um, that, that decision on my part. I, I just think that the phrase love that has become the answer to almost anything that's said, at least in the, in the tech sales world. So, t- um, so tell me, tell me how you came to this, right? So like, it, it's, it's a, it seems like a throwaway phrase. So it's why, a total, it's, 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 so why, so why do you care so much about it? Why do I care? Uh, because I think it's a disservice um, to everybody involved in it, honestly. Okay. The, the giver, the taker, and the organization for whom both of those people probably work. Yeah. Um, and it, it came to me in a moment of real clarity, actually in a meeting, um, you know, like many of us, you know, I've, I, I spent time working in an organization that was going through some turbulent times and, and look, we, we, we needed things to go better. Um, we wanted things to go better. Right. I was in a meeting with a bunch of revenue leaders and, you know, the big chair, as a, the big chair, as I call it, the senior right. person in the meeting was asking for ideas to, to drive forward and, and to implement some change. And, um, you know, so there's, ha- let's say the half dozen leaders in the meeting. And so maybe a baker's dozen ideas get thrown out. Some of them really well formed, some of them not, by the way, I'm not a subscriber in to the, to the notion of there's no, no bad ideas. Um, as an idea kind of factory myself, I come up with a lot of really bad ideas. Well, and um, to be fair, I think you and I have come up with lots of bad ideas together. They're funny, or, but they were bad ideas. They're funny um, and bad. Yeah. But the point is there are bad ideas. And so yeah. what, where are we if our response to bad ideas is love that? And, and honestly, where are we and where are we going if our response to great ideas is simply love that? I don't think love that does the job on either end of the spectrum. If you're trying to give positive feedback, love that doesn't pass muster. If you're trying to give constructive feedback, love that doesn't cut it, period. Yeah. And so we were talking about this a little bit. And um, I actually think there's something that's really, really easy to say and really hard to do for people, which is separate their ideas from their identity. And so in that meeting, Right. If you were to hear what you would consider a bad idea or wanted to ask some critical follow on questions for, there's a high probability that the person receiving that would feel personally attacked rather than their idea being pressure tested. And I think that's a confrontation a lot of people, I think, want to avoid. Um, And so love that's a cop out for sure, but it avoids conflict. It, it does, but I think we're underestimating the capability of the people, the, the people being a you know very broad, generic term sure. yep. um, for, for anybody that might receive the feedback, love that. Um, look, we're talking about 
grown adult human beings, like yep. the most sophisticated brains on the planet, you could argue, and unparalleled for sure emotional capabilities, right? And I think we have to recognize that as adult human beings, we hold, we, we have in our capacity, the ability to hold two conflicting thoughts in our brains. Yep. And, and I'll give you an example of that. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two quotes that illustrate this perfectly from two like crazily different sources, by the way. Yeah. Um, so on the one hand, Mary Kay, uh, once said, the only thing people want as much as sex and money is praise and recognition. Okay. So that's one thought that we yep. can hold in our brains and which is probably a little bit of the reason for behind why I love that is now so prevalent. Right. Yeah, yeah. People do, they do get a, maybe a dopamine hit out of it or whatever. Right. Um, but on the other hand, um, you know, in, in, in the revenue world, which is where you and I are focused here, we are trying to drive better performance, right? Yep. We're, we're not just trying to make people happy. And so uh, the, the second quote I'll give you is from Doc Rivers, who, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a very successful um, coach in the NBA. I, and I don't have the exact quote, but it was something effective. Average players want to be left alone. Good players want some feedback. And the champions want the truth. And so I would just ask, you know, like if you're running a, a, a highly focused driven revenue team, generally people on revenue related teams are interested in performance improvement. Like that's been my experience. Yeah. People are generally bought into some level of improvement in their performance across all functions, by the way, that applies to customer success, um, solutions, consulting, marketing, for sure sales, like yeah. salespeople over index on that. But my point being, those two things can be held simultaneously in our human brains. I want the truth because I want to improve my performance. Yeah. And, not but, and when my performance improves, I want positive feedback. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really interesting. Like, I'll share a personal story with, with, with the audience here is that I was on at a, a different company on a track to, uh, I got asked by the big chair. Uh, to spend some time with one of their up and coming leaders in a discipline I knew a lot about, which was solutions consulting or SE work. Right. Um, and the coaching I got was help this person understand the areas that they need to grow to become the leader of that team. Um, so I did that. Um, and I told that person the truth, right? They were Harbor tour demoing. Um, and they were talking about what a feature did rather than what it unlocked for the organization. And so their, their levels were at feature function tactics. Um, and I talked to that leader and gave, told them the truth uh, with action steps to, you know, these are the types of things that I would consider is trying to move up market, trying to upskill the team, those types of things. Uh, that was so poorly received that that long tenured employee went to the big chair. And that actually ended up kneecapping my career at that entire company. Um, where like the ability to grow into, uh, or lead that team in the future was a closed door, um, and was, was kind of the end of the road in that, uh, in that discipline of that company. And so there's, I think as leaders, like I hold that experience very, very close for two particular reasons. First, I misjudged the good player and the champion. I gave champion level feedback to someone who wasn't there and 
the only reason I know about all of this is because I had a boss who sat me down and said, you screwed up big time. Uh, and like, dude, hearing that really freaking hard. Um, really hard. Really yeah. Hard. Like person thought I was going to, person thought I was going to quit. We ended the one-on-one early. Like I took the, I was steaming, but at the end of the day, that person gave me the truth and I am a better leader team builder for it. Um, but it's this matrix of like, great. Love that. Isn't the, like the answer that's cop out, but like, do you have to stratify your team as to who you got to praise more than give the truth to? Um, and is it ever a chance where the truth is the praise or vice versa? Well, was, well, you just asked a ton of questions. So. Yeah, that, that's in because my, in, my, in my old head, I'll forget the second, second or third one you asked. But let, let me let me address. I, I think the word you used was stratify. For for me, it's less about stratifying, and it's more about like, are people? Hey, have you explained the journey that you're taking people on as a leader? Right. Right. Like, do people even understand that? Hey, we're trying to improve the areas where we're trying to improve and what does improvement look like? And we're, I, I want to come back to that towards the end of the podcast. Sure. Yep, absolutely. I have some specific ideas there, but step one, it's not about stratifying. It's just like, are you, are you on board? Like, do, do you want to do this? Like, do you want to get better? And look, I've worked on teams where there, there are people that are doing the job fine. Good. You know, NBA champion level. No. But, but good. Yeah. Like, sometimes you need the 3.5 out of five on the performance review, the meets expectations person, the, the no drama. I, I would argue you need a lot of those people sometimes. Yeah. Like it, you could argue that's probably one of the challenges we have in the industry right now is, um, you know, but anyway, that's, let, let's, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, for sure. but, but my point being like, I don't think you have to stratify. I just think you have to know where everybody stands and they need to know the, the people on the team need to know where the leader stands and and if there's a journey that the team is going on and what the steps are and what the the markers are and what the end state looks like that that's probably the most important thing um the other thing i want to hit on by the way is kudos like not only was that conversation hard for you oh but it's hard for the, le- the leader and oh, yeah. honestly like if we're really like if we're really talking about like the crux of this and the root cause it, it's on leaders to be willing to have those conversations and to find the time to have those conversations, by the way. And that's why we call this whole thing. The other job right? is because a finding the time to do that, mustering the courage and the willingness to go have that hard conversation. Those are things like, Oh, it's easy. Just, Oh, I better go update my forecast. We have forecast calls tomorrow. Like, <laughs> you know, so we, we set the hard stuff aside as human beings and that's unfortunate. Yeah, for sure. So, Let's talk a little bit about then like, all right, so in 2024, what are you going to, what are you going to do different? Are you going to give more praise? How you plan on doing it? Like, let's go make this concrete for the audience is like, what skills are you, what approaches are you thinking about applying next year? So that in March we can, uh, we can ask ourselves, how's that resolution? We'll do, we'll do a QBR on my, on, That's my, right, coach, exactly. on my coaching style. Uh, that'd, be, that'd actually be fun, a retrospective on my coaching style. I think I'll have a line of guests for that. Yeah, this we could do great. like live call, like live call call ins. Um, that would yeah. be a lot of fun, actually. Long time subordinate, first time caller. It'll be great. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> the old 360 review. Um, yeah. Okay, so one of the things I want to do for the purpose of this conversation is divide 
coaching into two types, if you will. Yeah. Um, there is the situational coaching that I actually think a lot of people, a lot of leaders do, and they, they do a reasonably good job of it. Um, I, the other way to call it is maybe tactical coaching. Sure. Um, the second type of coaching, which is really where we should focus, um, is what I would call developmental coaching. And developmental coaching is, you know, as an employee, as a contributor to a team, I start with my current set of skills and capabilities, and I get to a point down the road where I have improved those certain sets of skills and capabilities and maybe even acquired new ones, okay? So that's that's developmental coaching. L let me just hit just really quick on the situational coaching because I said like it, most people are doing it and doing a good job of it. This has been enabled by companies like Gong and right. Outreach and Chorus, the conversational intelligence um, coaching platforms. And it makes like the situational coaching really easy. It used to be to do, to do situational coaching, you either had to be on email threads or in meetings or what have you. Okay. So situational coaching now is like where I observe something on a call recording or I'm maybe a participant in that meeting and I see something that we could have done better. And I situationally point that out to the team member and say, Hey, we should work on this in this type of scenario. I'd recommend doing B versus a, or whatever the case may be. Right. I think again, like from what I see, like people are doing that style of coaching pretty well these days. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's right. I think, um, I think people doing that style of coaching, it's also about ratio of like, listen, I'm on a call and all my boss says is all the things I did wrong. I'm not feeling great about it. Um, and so I do think it's also like you have to, it can't just be criticism and pray or praise. I actually think it has to be both. It's the, it's the, it's the sandwich, right? It's yeah. like, Hey, on this call, these are the three things I think you did awesome. And the one thing I think you could improve on. And I have, I actually think three to one good to critical for most people is what they need. You will have that one champion level seller. Who's like, knock it off. Tell me what I need to do better. Yeah. I've had, I've had, I've had people say, I don't want to hear, I, you don't need to say anything good. Like they just, they take the bun off of the shit sandwich. Right. Yeah. And, and like, I would just argue that's rare. Yeah. Like the, the, yes, I think that's super rare. Yeah. Okay. So, so then let's talk about the developmental coaching. Cause I think that's the harder thing. And that truly is falls under the heading of the other job because it's extremely time consuming. Um, right. So here, I kind of think of this as like having two pillars to it. And one I hit on earlier and I said, I'd come back to it. And so now I'm coming back to it. And that is, I use the phrase like the journey that we're on. Um, let me, let me be more specific about that. Um, in most teams, uh, there are a common set of what I would call core competencies that either need to be implemented built or improved upon. Sure. Okay. And there's, they're specific gen like, okay. You maybe say like everybody needs to be better at building champions or, or whatever. Right. That, you know, you yep. could maybe make that blanket statement in the industry, but, but usually like in a company in a revenue organization, I found that the core competencies are fairly, fairly specific. You know, if you're if you're going from like a single product company, like a point solution sale to a platform sale, you have really specific core competencies around being able to do that. And you have to explain what those are. So A, you have to go research what those are. Yep. B, you have to formulate a description of what those things are, what those competencies are. 
And then the third thing is, and this is probably the time consuming and hard part is you have to actually describe what good looks like for those core competencies. So that when you give feedback, it is specific and relative to the expectation that was set, right? If, if, um, if, if you tell a, 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 a baseball player, you're holding the bat too high. Well, too high is a relative term too high to what? Like I, right. you know, so you, if you're going to use a relative, you know, progression of capabilities or competencies, you have to tell people like a, what good looks like. And, and then B, you actually have to, and this is the hard part, tell them where they are today. Yeah. It's, I, it, let's take that a little bit further, right? I've got little kids and one of the least effective ways to coach them or correct behavior is to tell them to stop something, right? To say, hey, you're holding the bat too high. Stop holding the bat so high. Hmm. That's actually not actionable, right? So if you're on a call with an SC and be like, hey, stop demoing features. Uh, you're spending too much time on X. That's actually not quality feedback. Right. In the baseball situation, it's like lower your elbow by two inches, put it in line with your like collarbone or whatever it happens to be. Right. It's or for for a kid it's telling them like, hey, instead of doing that behavior, I want you to do X instead, because that's what we've called good behavior, good manners at our house or whatever. Right. It's, it's not actually all that different. Uh, but a lot of the critical feedback is, hey, that really went bad. You kind of messed up that piece. Hey, stop demoing features so much. Yeah. He's like, cool. But what does your team member do with that? Right. And so did, I think. Did, did they even understand it? There's a famous, by the way, I, I, you know, generally people wouldn't be familiar with this, but as a baseball dad, yep. let me tell you a story about this hilarious video that goes viral. Like, I don't know, once a year, probably. And it's this guy, he's got this little boy probably three or four years old and he's got the little tykes t with that big yellow bat and the, yeah. the ball and the thing, like red base yeah. the whole thing everyone's got one and so the dad is saying to the little kid keep your eye on the ball yes to hit it and the kid keeps walking up to the ball that's on the t and going like this yeah yeah and yeah. they're trying to swing the bat and hit the ball and the dad's like no <laughs> Because, but in those situations, like as, as leaders who have been in go to market for a really long time, when we give feedback, the amount of lived experience and assumptions in that feedback can oftentimes be overwhelming for the person hearing it. And then all they hear because they don't know how to take action from it is my boss thinks I'm doing a bad job. Yeah. And so I would, I would suggest like this, one of the superpowers for good coaches, certainly in baseball. And I think in our profession as well is they build these like vast libraries of cues to give people for other ways to say, keep your eye on the ball, right? Because yeah. if, if one person by hearing keeping their eye on the ball literally puts their eye on the ball, then you know that cue doesn't work for that person. And the same thing goes for our profession. If I tell somebody build better champions and I give them cue one and it doesn't work, then it's my job. It, this is my job, my responsibility as a leader to find a different cue to give that person to get better. Yeah, that's absolutely, and that's the that's the magic and the unlock. That's why this career is cool. We you know, one of our previous episodes, we talked to Rebecca, and I said, "Why do you want to be a manager instead of a rep?" And she's like, "Because I get to help like unlock people in that way." 
right? It's yeah. this multidimensional puzzle of like, what's the right combination of motivation and cues and coaching I can give someone so that they can achieve like life changing results at their job. Yep. Right? Whether that's the promotion, whether that's hitting quota, whether it's going to president's club, whether, you know, they've got all their goals. And because at the end of the day, right. I don't in pre-sales, like I don't really demo anymore. Right. You don't really do initial meetings anymore. Right. Like we're not the doers. And so if we can't coach people, like it's out of, it's kind of out of our control directly. Like it used to be when you're an IC. Um, and so that's what makes this job super hard. Um, so one of the things I, I wanted to share something I heard from um, uh, a leader of mine, uh, I was back at Tableau and I'd just been made uh, director, got a team of about a 12 um, and we were doing an offsite because there was some uh, team alignment that we needed to get with at the leadership team level. Right. Um, and I'm finding this meeting super frustrating and we go out for lunch and, and uh, one of our, C our C-suite pulls me aside and goes, I need you to. I need you to know two things. Uh, the first is you're doing a good job. And then the second is leadership is lonely. Mm. And I carry that with me a lot because Chris, like I, that boss of mine who gave me that really hard conversation about how I really screwed up when I took in a direction and, you know, took it in the wrong way. Um, no one told her she did a good job. Yeah. Right. And so you've got to go as a leader, have that really hard conversation. You don't know what kind of reaction you're going to get. Right. And you hang up and there's no one telling you you did the needful, that yeah. you did the hard work. Right. Yeah. And so that's like the real, I want to kind of leave the leaders who are listening to this with sort of that comfort is that you're doing a good job and no one's going to tell you that. And by the way, it doesn't hurt to tell other people that, which goes back to the very start of this podcast. Love that. Love that's, a, in my opinion, a horrible way to tell people they're doing a good job. Um, actually, the, the best way to tell people they're doing a good job is the exact same construct of telling people where they need to get better and improve. You set the context, you establish the competencies on which you're evaluating people, you find very specific tailored feedback to give them that's, you know, kind of like almost unique to them in a way. Yeah. And you praise it. Like you either coach it or praise it. Right. I would much rather hear fewer occurrences of praise that are tied to very specific behaviors of mine or capabilities of mine that are recognized by the organization or by the leaders. than I would just hollow commentary to everything I do. That's love that. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. Um, the two things that I, I remember about um, some coaching I received about how to deliver feedback, both positive or negative is separate the, separate the feedback from the person's identity, right? The behavior is not the person and the person isn't the behavior. Most of the time I very rarely met someone on my team who wants to do a bad job, mm -hmm. right? It's almost always and exclusively uh, I have not been clear on what the standard is. And so they think they're doing a good job and it's not meeting a standard I didn't communicate, which is unfair to the employee. Number one, you have to uh, you have to be specific with the feedback. You also have to be timely. I think that's really Boy. important because if a performance review is the first time you're getting the feedback, your leader sucks. 
Um, and if you go into a weekend with feedback undelivered, it's going to be really freaking weird on Monday. Yeah, that's a good I, point. You, I, I think wanna, there's a, by the way, I do want to soften your observation around leaders sucking for, for not like, again, the, the, the title of this podcast is the other job and on numerous yeah. episodes, on numerous episodes, we're highlighting this thing about we thrust people into these leadership roles right and give them no training and guidance and I, I i'm a prime example of that now we can say well if somebody doesn't give you feedback before the performance review they they're a sucky leader but i'm going to pass that buck on to the their leaders for not having educated them and enabled them and trained them and told them hey there's another job here that you didn't know about yeah I think and here's, here's how you do it. And maybe on that note, Jeff, like I, you know, I'd love it if people reached out to us and said like, Hey, can you give me some guidance on how to establish core competencies, how to establish yeah. buy into those competencies? Like we, we could publish a template for people on that um, and, and help new leaders kind of walk through that um, and how to go do that part of their job other than, you know, just filling out spreadsheets for Monday morning's forecast call. Yeah. Chris, I, I love that. <laughs> Thanks Jeff. Happy New Year. Happy good New luck, Year, everyone. Good luck with your phone. Yeah, uh, good luck. Uh, yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> See you.